Spirit of grace, we welcome you this morning. We love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the corporate anointing upon this body of believers. We thank you, Father, that you are a God of miracles. You are a God of signs and wonders. And you never change. I have not seen, nor he ear has heard. Neither has entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Lord, our eyes are on you this morning. Our ears are open to hear direction from you, Holy Spirit, for our individual lives, for our families, and for this church corporately. Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We exalt you, Jesus. Name above every name in this place today. We love you. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. And all God's people really shouted, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We'll greet your neighbor on your way down. You can open to Matthew chapter 25. While you're doing that, just a couple quick announcements. Next Sunday, Pastor Doug Daniels and his wife Eileen will be with us. He will be ministering in the Sunday morning service. Um, We're looking forward to that. You don't want to miss that. In two weeks, on the 12th, is the children's Christmas party. It will be during our regular service. They'll be over there, so you want to make sure to have your kids here for that. And on the 19th of December will be our family Christmas service. So all the family will be in here, and and, uh, we'll just celebrate Christmas together. In Matthew chapter 25... I'll start with verse 23. And this is the parable of the talents. And it talks about the Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This week I was listening to Flashpoint, Gene Bailey, Lance Wallnow, Hank Kuhneman. Mario Morello were on there, but there was um, also on there was a pastor. His name is Bill Johnson, and he pastors the Bethany Church in California. And he's kind of quiet and soft-spoken, and I've never heard him a lot. And as I was listening to him, he just made one statement that just stuck out and grabbed me. He said, 
that stewardship or wise stewardship always brings increase. And, you know, that's it's just what I read. If we're faithful in small things, he'll make us ruler over much. And then I was, this is the scripture I was meditating on this week in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And, you know, we see all this going on in the nation, in the world, and it looks sketchy out there sometimes. But the thing is, we believe in an eternal God. We walk by faith, not by sight. And those things that in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 18 it says, um, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And the one thing I've learned through the years is Satan is a show-off. He always does things to, you know, try to get everybody revved up and bring lots of attention to himself, but God usually just slides in there and if if we're faithful in small things that are made ruler over much if our good stewardship brings increase we know that the character of god is faithfulness he's always faithful so his kingdom is always going to increase no matter how bad it looks out there the kingdom of god will increase but we tend to want to look at all the things in the natural and we miss what God's doing. And God's at work. He's moving. And we win. So I just want to encourage you that. Continue to be faithful in the small things. As we receive this morning's tithes and offerings, we appreciate you are faithful. Continue to be faithful um, in the small things. And increase will always come. The word of God always works. Um, if when you leave, we've got our new baptismal. It's in, in the fellowship hall. If you'd like to go take a look at that, we thank you for helping us purchase that. And, and, um, it looks great. So we appreciate that. We appreciate your faithfulness. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's Tyson. you're here this morning and you have a need, a physical need in your body, healing, if you just need an answer, a prayer answered, if, you, if you're just believing God for something, I want you to stand up this morning. Whatever it might be, it might be for a family member, the salvation of a family member, 
And I want you to lift your hands. I thank you this morning, Holy Spirit, for your presence. And I remind you, Father, that you are covenant God and you meet the needs of your people. And so by faith, Father, we lift our hands this morning and receive by faith the answer to our prayer, our needs met, spirit, soul, body, financially. We look to you, Lord, as our source. And so, Father, we declare you are a miracle-working God. You are a God of supernatural breakthrough. And we receive it this morning in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Now thank you. We thank you, Father, for meeting all of our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Spirit of grace. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, that's the thing with the corporate anointing. As it increases, you can come into a place like that, the presence of God, and just receive instantly what you have need of. Amen. He's a loving Heavenly Father. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I like that. We're singing, He's a miracle God. Amen. So you get ready. And you expect miracles from our Heavenly Father. Amen. Don't miss Pastor Doug next week. Um, He's with uh, Pastor Hank in, in Omaha. And he's the kind of guy behind the scenes that gets things done. And uh, I don't know specifically, he's associate pastor, but he's an administrator, and he's he's a sweet man of God. So be here and put a pull on the gift. Oh, and Pastor Hank. Well, I tell you what, if you treat him well, maybe Pastor Hank will come. You are who you hang around. The anointing that's on Pastor Hank is on him. And if you understand authority, you can tap into that. So put a pull on his gift. Amen. Last week we said in Acts chapter 2, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to read it from NIV. It says, talks about the fellowship of the believers. It says, they, in verse 42, they devoted themselves. Say that. They devoted themselves to what? Here I'll tell you. The apostles' teaching to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day, say every day. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, say favor, of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now that's what we talked about last week, those three words. They devoted themselves and The result was the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And we made this statement. The motivation for becoming a believer 
and living the Christian life sprang where? From within the people. Say within the people. From, from your heart, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Living water flows from your heart. Things, spiritual things, see? And so it was down here. And that was their motivation. There were no gimmicks, special programs. There was no great worship team, great preaching. The life of the early church was grassroots. It sprang from the bottom up, not from the top down. That's what we see happening now. Even in the nation, not in, there's, yeah, God is moving in His church, but even outside of the church, people are, patriots are arising. Amen? Patriots are uniting. Amen? And it's, it's God. It's God moving upon the believer and the sinner. Amen? Bringing them together. And uh, so, I want to go on this morning. I don't know how far we'll get. I'll go, what time is it? Let me look. So I don't, 1041. And it's good to have Caden and Carly today. Caden's going to Bible school, and he hasn't flunked out yet. And uh, he's stirring the pot down there, I'll tell you what. I'm proud of both of them. I took them out to lunch Saturday, and I'm just proud of the next generation. We need them. You know, and, and we've got we to gotta open our arms to them. And sometimes I'm overwhelmed. Lord, how, how, what can I do to help some young person? Just sit down and listen to them. Give them your time. Give them your ear. Give them some money. Bless them. Because we need them. And I'll tell you what, some of these young ones in the days ahead are going to make you nervous. And that's why you need a good shepherd. You need a pastor so they don't get out of in you know left field and... The thing that Caden, I warned Caden, I said, you're going to go into Bible school down there. And that's the school I went to. That was back in 1981. Dear Jesus. And I said, you're going to meet a lot of weird people. And he came back and he says, I've met some weird people. See, people go to Bible school because they think they're going to be the next Billy Graham or whatever. You know, people should go to the Bible school just so they can learn how to serve a pastor, serve a church. And if you have a servant's heart, God will promote you. Amen. So don't get too big for your britches. I'm in your life and I won't let that happen. Amen. I'll say something to you. Took him to lunch. Carly's kind of quiet, but boy, she can speak up. He talks a lot. But I commend you. As I sat there, I, I, it was a test. You shut up and you let her talk. It's not all about Caden. No. But I was proud of you. You let her share from her heart. So I'm glad I can commend you instead of telling you you missed it. You did the right thing. Amen. Okay, I want to go on, and we're going to... Let me give you the central truth. I didn't have time to put it up on the screen, maybe next week. God has called... I want to talk about Harvest Church today. God has called Harvest Church to be a lighthouse 
and a spiritual landmark in the city of Norfolk and the surrounding area. We've been strategically located and given a mandate to reach and reap a harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. Let me say it once more. God has called Harvest Church to be a lighthouse and a spiritual landmark in the city of Norfolk and surrounding area. We've been strategically located. We're going to talk about that in another message. And given a mandate to reach and reap a harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. Now, when we first started, um, in, I came to Norfolk. I had aspirations. I was just going to, you know, turn the whole town upside down. And little did I know that, that uh, God was going to put me through his school. And uh, we've learned a lot of things through the years. But I, I believe we've stayed faithful to God. We're not a big church. But uh, we preach the gospel. We preach the truth. Amen. We're not perfect. There's no perfect preacher. And there's certainly no perfect sheep. But we have endeavored to do what God's called us to do. And so we went through his school called character development. Developing character. Charisma is fine, but I'd rather have character. And then maybe charisma. We're not charismatic people. We're not charismatic leaders. But I do believe there's some character there. And that didn't come. See, overnight, you don't go to Bible school for two, three years and come out thinking you've arrived. You have only just begun. Because you'll go through the school of character development. So if you develop the godly character in your life, God can use you. He can trust you. Amen? So, let me give you some statements. God's heartbeat is souls. Right now, God's heartbeat is souls. Everything we do in the days ahead is about winning the lost. Well, I'm not evangelist. Well, you're, maybe you're not, but you're called to do the work of an evangelist. That's what Paul told Timothy. And so we've got to see that the, the, the mission field, the harvest field is ripe out there. You can look at all the weird people and all their weird stuff that they do. Sinners just do what they do best. Sin. Because they don't know Jesus. We're real quick to judge people. And you just need to remind yourself you used to be with that crowd. Or run with that crowd. Amen? And it's by God's grace we've been saved. So, his heartbeat is soul's. Then we, let me make this statement. God's people must be aware of the spiritual condition of their city so they can advance the kingdom of God. We need to be discerning of our community. And the last year or so has really opened some eyes to some people. What's really going on in the school? We heard some things, and I'm thinking, you're crazy. That can't be going on. Yeah, it was. You know, we've heard some things about, you know, things in the community that are not of God. Even so-called spiritual leaders sharing their, you know, 
kind of gospel which is twisted. And so I believe our eyes have been opened. And so now we need to really press in as a church and pray and seek God for strategic ways to reach the lost. One of the best things we've ever done is Night to Shine. What a wonderful outreach. And because of that, God's opened some doors for us. God also wants to pour out favor, and we're going to talk about that today. God desires to pour out favor upon His people to influence a community. God wants you and I, God wants this church to have a positive influence on the city. We, you know, wherever you go, you represent Harvest Church. You represent God first, but you also represent the church. Then we're going to talk about this. Harvest Church's location is very significant. We're going to look to the Bible and we're going to talk about the east side. And it's interesting what three tribes were on the east side. Then Harvest Church in this new season, must pray and discern the particular needs of the city and area. When we first started our ministry, our basement, the old church on 2nd Street, was filled with government commodities so we could feed people. We don't need to do that anymore because somebody else is doing it. Salvation Army is a good organization. They do that. They have, you know, other places, the shelter. Things have changed since we started our ministry. And so what we need to do is shift and change and and find out what are we supposed to do now. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, you get in a rut. And a rut is nothing but a a grave with both ends cut and kicked out. And we don't want to do that. We're in a new season. We need the wisdom of God. Desperately. So we know what strategies to employ to reach our community and the people in Norfolk. Then then people, the people of Harvest Church must, everyone say must. I I truly believe this. I'll never forget as, as a young person, I can remember hearing it on TV. Attend the church of your choice. No. You attend the church God sent you to. You're here because I believe God sent you. And some of you have stuck and stayed, and it will pay. Through thick and thin and through good times and hard times, you're still here. See, so you need to realize God will send specific people to churches because He knows He can trust them and He can count on them. And He knows that He's put in them, He's deposited in them gifts that the church needs. Everyone here has gifts. And it's your responsibility to discover those gifts. You don't find out all the, you know, right away. You, you know, like, you know, uh, Caden, you're going to school, you're going to discover your gifts through the, you might not know it. So you get out of school. I don't know, but everybody has a gift. And you need to use it. You need to hook up with the body. It's so important. Look at Luke chapter 19. I can see we're not going to get as far as I thought. So I probably won't need my video. We'll save that for another day. I had a great song lined up, but we'll do that. Luke chapter 19. I want to make an an impression upon you this morning. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 41, this is where Jesus sweeps over Jerusalem, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. 
And I'll read it to you in, in, in the King James, New King James. But in the King James, it says, When he was come near, he beheld the city. As it says in, in the New King James, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Say this with me. Behold the city. And we think about that word, sometimes we overlook, and like I said last week, you read something, you skip over it. And I looked at that word behold, which of course it means to see. But it also has a deeper meaning, and it's, it's the Greek word O-I-D-A. And it means, it says this, to know, to possess information, to recognize, to realize, to understand, to perceive, and comprehend. Bottom line, it means you see the big picture. And see, when Jesus went in to Jerusalem, well, let me, let me read it, the first few verses. As he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this hour and day, the things that make for your peace, But now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you. And your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. I like this verse. It says, because you did not know the time of your visitation. The Amplified says you did not come progressively to recognize, know and understand from observation and experience the time of your visitation, that is, when God was visiting you, the time in which God showed himself gracious toward you and offered you salvation through Christ. Jesus knew that Israel was about to miss their divine visitation. And what did he do? He wept. He sobbed. I don't want Harvest Church to miss its divine visitation. I don't want you to miss out on anything God is going to do in the days ahead. Exciting, miraculous, supernatural things. But Jesus, he he could see the big picture. He knew in his heart. You say, well, that was Jesus. Well, don't we have Jesus in our hearts? So we should be able to discern. We should be able to see what's going on. I'll, I'll never forget when I when we left um, my hometown of Fairbury, Nebraska. Kathy's from Monroe and went to Bible school. And then, so we were gone for a period of time. And I I've, I've really was gone for quite a while now that my mother passed away. I, I don't go back to my hometown. And uh, as of lately, you know, the... I've gone back a few times. I've kind of renewed a, a friendship with one of my old friends. And and uh, I went back. Oh, it's been a while back. And because my friend was working and I had to wait till he got off work, I drove through the town. I, I, I loved my hometown. And what I did when I was young, and I told you this, I hauled garbage. When I was in high school, I hauled garbage. The best job I ever had. I loved it. I wore overhauls. And I got to go through people's stuff. <laughs> then I also got to know. Nothing's changed. Yeah, I know. 
I also got to know who who got the big catfish because you know the guts and everything and the heads were out there and you could see who and they they what they did they, they there was a guy that didn't fish with a pole but he hand fished. And so, you know, I grew up with a wonder. I got a wonderful heritage. I really do. And I went through that town, driving through the town. And it broke my heart. I could see the effects of poverty, drugs, and neglect. I drove by my, my, um, home, my boyhood home. Falling in. My mother's kicking the lid. If she could know how her house that she... She was a widow for many years, but she took care of her property. It is. Uh, it was unbelievable. The downtown is not what it used to be. And I left weeping north of town as I drove down the highway. Wept. Because I saw, I saw the big picture. On the other hand, I, on that, this another example. This is a positive one. How many of you know the story of, story of Noah's Ark? We got to go see the ark. We drove, and Kathy and I and Micah rented a car and drove there and, and saw, what, where's that at in Kentucky? And this is the honest to God's truth. Of course, buses come in. We were there early. We drove up, and in the distance, you could see it. And you drive closer, and, and there was music playing, and the people were going into the ark. I wept. I had an idea of what the ark was like, but to see it moved me. You need to go see it. It's worth it. So that's what happened to Jesus. He saw the big picture. And that's what needs to happen with all of us in our city. Yeah, we hear things and see things about the, the politicians and the school board and everything else. And that's good because once you see it and you hear about it, you know, it'll activate something in you. You want to do something about it. You can sit and not do anything, but that's not the Father's way. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus beheld the city. So you and I, like the Amplified Bible says, they began to recognize no one understand from observation and experience. We began to, you, you and I will begin to know and perceive and discern if we'll take the time and seek God and ask God. Amen? Now, Harvest Church is in a new season. And it, it started quite a while back. And I, Kathy said, I really believe it started with the flood. I do. I think that was a natural sign of just... Everything was washed away. You know, when the water was up to here, it didn't quite hit the seats, but so God was good. But ever since then, things have changed. There's a new spirit. Worship's changed. God has put a shout in some of you stoic people's lives. 
And, I, and it's just, we've only just begun. Harvest Church in this new season and coming new year, now listen, must come to know, recognize, understand, and discern, truly discern our city and region. And I, I say region and, and this surrounding area because we have people from different communities that come to church here. That's wonderful. But we need to discern our city and region. What is the spiritual condition? What are the strongholds that are preventing or holding back a harvest of souls? And how can we best serve our community? And I'm not, I, I'm not just going to do something because some other church is doing it. We're just not that way. We're not wired that way. In fact, we've done stuff through the years and we've noticed other church copying us. Amen? But we want to do what God's called us to do. And I, I believe we're, we're begin, beginning to see the big picture. One of the things that God is doing is, is raising up, you know, like the Convention of States and Patriots United, organizations bringing people together. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And I think it's a God thing. So, I want to go through here, and I'll go through here quickly. And if you want to go along, let's um, Psalm 127 start there. Then I'll, then I'll go through it, and we won't get through all this this morning. Psalm 127. I want to give you some scriptures about cities. And if you look in the Bible, there's a lot of... A lot of scriptures about cities and citizens. And, and uh, God is interested in cities because he loves what? People. And where do people live? In cities. In Psalms 127 and verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord God's the Lord guards the city. The watchman stays awake in vain. This psalm, this scripture reveals man's utter dependence on God in building a house and watching over a city. And if we're going to be successful, we're going to have to let God build the house. We're going to have to allow God enter the city and watch over the city. And I believe he is. Amen. Now, look at Proverbs 11. Psalms, look at Proverbs. I, I believe there's a lot of other good churches in our community. And they have a specific call. And they need to answer that call. We just need to do what God's called us to do. In, in Proverbs 11, in verse 10, it says, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the what? The upright or the righteous. The city is exalted, but is overthrown by the mouth of the what? Isn't that interesting? The what of the wicked? Mouth. Words. You know, one of the first things we can do, we can start saying good things about our city. Good words. Declare and decree good words. When we first moved here and got out of Bible school, it was going from heaven to hell. Bottom line. I don't want to shake you up there, Jack, but 
that's what happened. We came into a very dark, demonic stronghold. A lot of witchcraft. Oh, there's not that. That's only in New Orleans. No, sweetie, it's, it was here. And it was a dark, just oppressive area. That's a lot, lots changed. Then, you know, we got here, and, and uh, it was tough going. And I'll never forget, there were times Kathy and I, we'd find ourselves, we'd complain, and we'd do everything we could to get out of town. We'd go to her folks, which just was less than an hour away. We just loved, that was our refuge. We'd start even thinking, dreaming about having a business and having a gas station in Monroe, like a, you know, a K, an M-Mart, and somebody already has that, and they're making nothing but money. But you know what? We weren't called to do that. But we'd run just to get out of here. And then we'd come up over the viaduct coming home and get in a fight. <laughs> yeah, we did. Norfolk was a, is, was a tough area. You know, I could tell you all kinds of stories what went on in northeast Nebraska. But uh, you got to find, you know, your words. Oh, I just, I don't, I want to get out of here. I don't like this city. It's so dark and da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, you need to declare and decree the opposite. Declare, if it's dark, declare light. If there's sickness, declare health. Amen? So our words are important. By the blessing, the Amplified says, by the blessing of the influence of the upright and God's favor, because of them, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Look at Matthew 8. I'll give you a few more and then we'll quit. Matthew 8. We're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks. You can start praying and asking God what you need to do. How, what gifts do I have, Father, that I can share with the body? Open my eyes to see the needs that are in this city. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28, I'll read this. It says, when he come to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to tor- torment us before the time? Now, a good way off from there, they were, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out... They went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of the swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled and then they went away into the city, say city, and told everyone including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, the what? The whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. They didn't want him to stay. But I want you to see the whole city. Not part of the city, but the whole city. And what happened that caused the whole city to come out and see Jesus? They'd heard about that miracle. All it takes is one miracle. And people's eyes will be open and they'll start looking 
Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching, preaching, and healing. So it's not only the big cities, but it's also the what? Villages. Matthew 12.22-25, it says, A city divided cannot stand. A city divided, a church divided cannot stand. That's why we need to see preachers in the community come together. Not concerned about, you know, losing their sheep. You know, not concerned about what will the denomination say. But they're truly in love with their city. And I'll be honest, there's, through the years, Kathy and I weren't very in love in this, with this city. We, we just weren't. And we wanted to get out of here. But God didn't let us leave. And so, you know, you find out, you know, if you stick and stay, God will do some things. He'll change your heart. And Norfolk has, has not been a, an enjoyable ministry through the years, but it's changing now. We're not running to Monroe, but that bridge has been burned. They're dead. Her folks are gone. My folks are gone. We're We're here. And we're here for a purpose. And you're here for a purpose. And you have something to offer. So Jesus was interested in teaching, preaching, and healing in every city and village. Matthew 11, 1, it says, He departed from there to preach and teach in their cities. There's a scripture, Matthew 21, verse 6 through 11, it talks about all the city was moved. Say all the city. All the city. Can you think of just one incident that would just shake a whole community? God can do that. Mark 1 and verse 32, it says, The whole city was gathered together at the door. The whole city. There again, everyone. Something could happen so dramatic that it gets the whole city's attention. Luke um, chapter 4, it says, I'm, Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because, now listen, because for this purpose I've been sent. Jesus was sent for, with the purpose to preach the gospel to cities. God's interested in cities. See, the kingdom of God must, and I say must again, must be preached in, in northeast Nebraska. The full gospel. There's nothing greater than the salvation message. That's priority. But you know what? There needs to be signs, wonders, and miracles. The Bible says signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those who preach the gospel. But you've got to put a demand on it. You have to cry out to God for it. You have to believe for the miraculous too many people are too satisfied, sitting in their stinking pew their whole life, not doing anything for God. Let it not be said. Well, that's why we have chairs. And they're red. Acts chapter 8. Look at that. I've got a couple more and then we'll close. Acts chapter 8. I want you to be stirred up about your city. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip the evangelist went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ 
to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. They heard miracles, they saw miracles. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was what? Great joy in that city. You remember the bank murders a few years ago? Robbed this city of joy. That was a, that was a terrible time. But see, one incident like that affected the whole city. Why can't we affect the city with one good thing? One sign, one miracle can bring joy to a whole city. I believe that. In Acts 13, verse 42. And then one more after that, and then I'll quit. Acts 13, verse 42. This is when they were at Antioch. It says, so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Now look at verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the what? Here's that word again. Whole city came together to hear what? They didn't come to hear Paul. They didn't come to hear Barnabas. They came to hear the word of the Lord. Think about that. An entire community coming to hear the word of the Lord. Acts 18, and then I'll quit. Acts 18, verse 9. Acts 18 and verse 9. This is where they're ministering at Corneth. It says in verse 9, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. See, that's good for us to hear today. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Boy, that's a wonderful passage. See, I believe. No, I, mean, I started to say I believe. You don't need to say that, but that's good. That's all right. <laughs> You're very awake today. That's good. He said, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silence. So what you and I, I believe we don't need to be afraid. I believe we need to continue to speak up and stir the pot. For I am with you. Say, God is with me. No one will attack you or hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And I believe he does. I believe there's a lot of good Christians that stand up, a lot of believers out there who truly love God, truly love their pastor, Truly love their church. They're out there. And what God wants to do in the days ahead is bring people together. Bring true spiritual leaders together that don't have a personal agenda. That aren't to, it's not a dog and pony show. They're not out, you know, people that aren't out to steal other people's sheep. <laughs> 
They're concerned about that. You know, banging the drum for finances. Have we ever done that here? No. Why? Because God meets our need. Amen. So today, I want to pray over you. I know, I really believe you love your church. Some of you are new here and and maybe you haven't discovered everything, you know, about that your preacher is human. You know, that maybe there are people in the church that they're not like you, don't have the same gifts, but you just know there's something, God's up to something. But I want to pray and have your eyes opened. And it's not that they're not already open, but this is for all of us today. Father... Lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I gave them the scriptures today about the city and how you're interested in winning the lost in Norfolk in this surrounding area and region. I pray, Lord God, that we in the days ahead will behold our city. We'll look at our city. We'll discern the needs, the cultures of our city. And Lord, you'll deposit within us an inspired idea on how to reach people. You'll show us how to win our neighbor who needs Jesus. You'll stir our hearts, Holy Spirit, to begin to pray for our cities. That we might see, Lord God, miracles, signs, and wonders. Father, I believe this church was named Harvest Church for a reason. So, Lord God, open our eyes to see the harvest that's out there. And not be afraid to rise up and go forth and meet the needs of that people. We thank you, Lord God, you love the sinner. So open our eyes to see the needs in the days ahead. Help us do our part individually and corporately as a church body. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you go through the city, as you drive through the city, just say, Father, open my eyes to see the city. Not just bad things, and begin to speak and declare good things. Life, health, financial blessings, jobs, amen? Businesses prospering, households coming to Christ, neighborhoods coming to Christ. We walk by faith and not by sight. Is everyone here today a born-again believer? Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't need to pray for you because you raised your hands earlier. Just believe God. Continue to stand and believe God. Anything else? Look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, I love Norfolk. I love northeast Nebraska. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Christmas. Oh, yes. And if you're on the worship team and, and Mike, we need just for a couple minutes, we need to meet with you about our Christmas program. Then we'll let you go. God bless you. Thank you.
So come on. 